you, Lord. Come on, let's love him. And I thank you, Jesus, and I praise the almost holy God. And I worship you, all great and mighty and holy King. Let our hearts be open to you tonight. The name above every name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, glory. If you have a Bible tonight, turn to the book of Romans. What a beautiful service thus far, beautiful day thus far. I thank the Lord for his great presence, all the things he's been doing. I would like to urge you to be praying about the full city commission one week from tomorrow, April 4th, where we will be asking them to give us a special events permit and to extend it so that we can resume doing the good work that was being done down at the loading ramp. For 11 days and nights, there had been no killings, no bad situations. The presence and the peace of God settled in that area, in that roughest part of town. And uh, the, the sheriffs remarked about it, the ones that patrol the area. And uh, as soon as we were given the order to pack up and remove ourselves from the loading ramp, within, I'd say, 24 to 30 hours, the next killing had taken place. How sad that is. I'll tell you, there were women that said that their babies were sleeping better when we were there. Many remarked about the improvement and the good presence that was there. We, we don't want to take what God gives us on a daily basis for granted. We want to make sure that we give him thanks and praise and honor and glory for his good spirit, his kind and loving presence, and what uh, to us can just become a daily thing. There are many people that have not in a long time, if ever, experienced the real peace of God, that which rules in our lives that whichever present God that we have when we are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and when we are filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when we every day enjoy an umbrella that we probably don't see but we certainly should give thanks for, of divine protection and of his mercies and how he keeps us, how he keeps us every day. Book of Romans, chapter 8. read a very familiar verse for a lot of us, one oft quoted among us, and we know, verse 28 said, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'd like to work for a little while tonight on according to his purpose. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. There was a, an individual, and he, uh, he was really on a roll. He was uh, very involved and was putting himself completely into what he was doing. And as I told somebody the other day, I said, you can be sincere, but you can be sincerely wrong. 
And I'm afraid that the, the graveyards around the world are filled with people who died being sincerely wrong. It's most important that we remember the Scripture links up the word truth along with sincerity. So we've got to get God's purpose. We've got to get God's way of doing things. We must submit ourselves to the presence and the will of the Lord. The apostle that was born out of, the, out of due season, the Scripture said, he came around a little bit later. And yet, when, he, when God caused him to come into the body of Christ, and this man Saul had this heart change and brought about a name change, and he became known as the Apostle Paul. And how that he had thrown himself into what he felt like was what was the right thing to do in his mind. The spirit that drove him was not the right spirit. The fervor, the zeal with which he pursued after people who he felt were in error was a big mistake on his part. Even to the point that he, he was... Uh, proclaimed himself to be the chiefest of sinners, and he was set forth as a pattern to them that should after believe, them understanding that he had held the clothing of them that stoned people that were baptized in Jesus' name and were filled with the Holy Ghost, and how that he had caused and compelled people to blaspheme, and many other such heinous crimes did he partake in or be the one that promoted those things. And now he finds himself on the ground, prostrate, and he, who knew, thought he knew it all, thought he had all the answers and had all of the letters after his name and had studied at the feet of a famous teacher of the law. And he felt like he really was correct and right in what he was doing, only to find out that here he is now, knocked down to the ground, and he asked, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus. Now, you know that had to strike an extremely deep chord in his heart. Had to br bring about a tremendous sigh and a groan from him, for he had been doing everything against Jesus and not for Jesus. And now he's come if you please, face to face with reality. I have been doing it wrong. And so the Lord told him that. He said, you're, you're fighting me. You're persecuting me. You're coming against me. Not a wise thing to do. It's like a very sharp pointed stick and you're kicking against it. You're only hurting yourself. You think that you're hurting others but you're, you're really hurting yourself. And so he quickly formed the question to show his newfound willingness. What will you have me to do, Lord? And the Lord told him, it'll be told thee what thou must do, that you're not in control and that you're not the one that's calling the shots, but that you are to be submissive and obedient to what my word 
and purpose will be for your life. And so he was told very specific instructions. There is a great comfort and security in being told exactly what to do when it's right. And here the righteous, eternal God takes time out of everything to spend a moment with this man, to be mindful of this man, and to set him right, to get him off the wrong path, to deliver him from the wrong attitude, the wrong thoughts, the wrong actions. And so this man proves that he meant business when he said, what will you have me to do? Because Jesus delivered the instructions as to what he must do. And he followed them. He did just exactly as Jesus told him to do. This is a good lesson for every human being. We could just learn what's right and begin to do what is right. That we could have confusion wiped away and the wrong ideas completely taken out of our thinking and that they could be replaced with the right, the righteousness of God and that we could begin to make those steps in the right direction. There is great comfort in knowing that you're doing it right, that God is pleased with the steps you are taking, that you are not ignoring him, that you are not fighting him, that you are not turning a deaf ear or a blind eye, but that you are now beseeching God to have a hearing ear and a seeing eye and a comprehending mind that you can begin to do what he says that you will no longer follow leadership or spirits that would take you in the wrong direction. There are spirits that will work through people and events and places, things and times in an effort to separate you from God, from His will, from what He would have in your life. And He only has good for your life. That's all He has in store. He's only interested in putting the good things in your life. You may not always see or understand at the moment that it's good and it's right and you're not sure where this will go. But having the promise from the Word of God, from God, then you can trust. And blessed is that man or woman that trusts in the Lord. You can trust that what He tells you is right that what the subject matter brings to you is correct, and that there'll never be anything in it that instructs you to do evil. The Lord is going to lead and guide you into all truth. The Lord is always going to order the steps of the righteous. He's going to help you to be upright before Him. And in being in that attitude and in that posture before Him, you're going to find out that you have a What the Bible teaches us a blessed assurance that He is leading, He is guiding, and that all things are working together for the good. No matter that there are times when the wind blows against you in your face. No matter that you find yourself battling many forces on all hands, all around you, yet you can take great comfort in that all things work together for the good to them that love God. 
and who are the called according to his purpose. The man who became the Apostle Paul because he submitted himself to God's will. He got rid of religion and he embraced salvation. Big difference there. Religion comes from man. And uh, as I went into a, a fellow one time uh, that represented Rome, and he said, uh, I told him, I said, you know, there are things that you say and that you tell people to do that are not in the Bible. That includes the Bible that you claim. And he said, well, we have the right to change the Bible. You know, the Scripture said we're not to add to nor to take from, and that the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. We are not to change anything. Who do we think we are? Who does people think that they are? We are to change nothing. As a matter of fact, the Almighty God said, I am the Lord thy God, and I change not. You're not going to go to bed one night and wake up the next morning and God's completely different. Not going to be that way. Not from what God said. I want to keep it close to my heart that all things work together for the good. That there God is working things out. My good is lost in His overall good. It's not about me It's about him. It's about his work. It's about according to his purpose. We live very often born into this world. We start living very aimless lives, wandering lives, uh, like some kind of shooting star just streaking across the sky of, of this world and this life. And we don't have a lot of direction. We don't have a lot of purpose. We don't know really what we want to do or what we want to be. And we sometimes just fall into things. Sometimes we fall into things that are really bad for us, really harmful to us. And we get trapped. But listen to what this man who was so blessed to have a visitation, if you please, an an opportunity that the Lord speaks to him. And just as he speaks to your heart, he's going to tell you something good. He's going to give to you the instruction that you need to hear. And even as your, your taste buds will sample food and will discern for you and tell you whether it's bitter or sweet, and so your ear can try or test the Word of God, and you can begin to discern that which is right. God can speak to your heart. And as he speaks to your heart, you can make a proper judgment about what he's saying. You can see that it's in the word and that it lines up with the chapter and the verse. As I said, he will never ask you to do something wrong. Not going to bring you in a bad direction. He's going to take you down the right path. We're going to get on a a path that's called straight and narrow, and that it leads to life eternal. It's not leading the wrong place for all of eternity. It's leading to the right place for all of eternity. And we all have an appointment to die. 
And we all have an appointment to stand before the Almighty. But you know what? You can have an opportunity brought to you here and now to get it right with God here and now. Your sins can be open, sent on before, and all taken care of when you are baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. That they're all forgiven and that you can live each day repenting and overcoming the forces that come against you. That you bring everything to the Lord and you confess to him on a daily basis. I said to him, he is a spirit and he wants you to talk to him. He wants you to feel after him. He wants you to know that he's the living God and that he, he is not deaf. He is not blind. He is not some inanimate object. He is not a statue made by man's hands, painted by some artist. He is a living God. And you, being born again, can become a living stone, a lively stone, serving a living God. That you're connected to him. You're bone of his bone. You're part of him. And that you're washed in his blood. You're forgiven of your sins. You're empowered by the Holy Ghost. His Holy Spirit. And that when you call upon Him, He hears you. You're not just knowing God, but you're known of God. He knows who you are. Yes, He does. And I'll tell you something else. The devil knows who, who's got the Holy Ghost. He knows who's baptized in that royal name, that name above every name. He knows. And He cries out and, and worries about you coming around and, and casting Him out. And sending him on down the road. He fears that because he knows that he, his eternity is set and he's going to be in the midst of darkness for all of eternity. And he's going to have to spend all of eternity with the one he believed and followed and gave up heaven for. What a terrible mistake the fallen angels made. But you have this great opportunity and he knows who you are because in his eyes you're one of the blessed ones. In his eyes, you're the one that's happy and to be envied and that he gave it all up. He lost it all and he made the wrong choice and got with the wrong one and he runs with the wrong crowd and he lives in the netherworld. He lives in darkness. He lives in misery and torment and believe me, he wants to take you there and you've got to rebuke him in Jesus' name. You've got to tell him, oh no, friend, I'm not going that way. I'm living according to God's purpose. I know that God loves me and I love God and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it. I'm going to go that straight and narrow and I'm going to make it. I'm going to be among the few out of each generation that's going to make a number that no man can number that will be around the throne of God and that will come out of great tribulation. Nobody said it's going to be a cakewalk. Nobody said it's, it's just going to be some little easy little fairy tale situation here, some kind of bedtime story not going to be that way. There's going to be battles. There's going to be resistance from the enemy, but he will not prevail. If you will, will remember that even when the enemy's in your face, it's working for your good. If you wonder how that can be, and you just remember that struggle can make you stronger. A preacher preached one time, <clears throat> I was a young man in the Lord, <clears throat> and I was going through some tests and troubles, situations, and uh, he came and he preached, and I, I was listening to what he said and how he brought out 
that there are times when God will test your spirit. And if we don't go through some things and we don't go through some tests, then we're never going to get proven out and we're never going to get the the strength developed in our lives, in our spiritual lives that needs to be developed. You can live your whole existence saying, why me, God? Why is this happening? Woe is me. And become very proficient, not on the guitar, not on the saxophone, not on the piano, not on the drums or the congas or the timbalas, but on that smallest little violin, woe is me violin, poor little old me violin. You get real good at playing that. You become an expert at playing that. And it's always a complaining. And it's always a crying and, and, and just, oh, woe is me. When in reality, if you will realize that everything can work to make you better. Everything can work to make you stronger. That God's not going to let anything come your way but what you can take it. You can do this. Test your spirit. You want to see if he finds anything that shouldn't be there. He wants you to be a vessel for the finer, which means there has to be a purging of the dross or the refuse or that which is not considered to be the finer. It doesn't belong there. We've got to get that out. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. The Apostle Paul, you have read your Bible. He has gone through many, many things. And as others before him, he rejoiced and leaped for joy because he was counted worthy. Constantly, men of God, women of God would rejoice and worship because they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, when God spoke to one of his preachers concerning this man that would become the Apostle Paul, and the man was hesitant to go anywhere near him, to pray for him, to have anything to do with him, because he'd heard of how much evil he had done against the church. And God said, don't worry about that. I've made him a chosen vessel unto me. And I will show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. Think about that. And that the Spirit absolutely allowed the flesh of the man Christ Jesus to learn obedience by the things which he suffered. You may not always see and understand, but by faith you can claim all things are working together for the good. Something eternally good, connected according to the purpose of God, will is built into this design that is coming to me now. And I must submit myself to it. I must realize that my God loves me. I must realize that I love my God. And I must realize that he would never harm me. He would never put more on me than I could bear. And that I trust him. I believe in him. And that I'm trying here to live my life according to his eternal purpose. This is not a temporary thing. This is an eternal thing. Give God a big hand. So this man that became the Apostle Paul, 
who spent so much of his life in bondage because he was so zealous for the right thing, for the good thing, and because those that knew him from before and were full of evil spirits, that they railed against him. They would rise up against him. They, would, they even got together and swore an oath. They did that. We don't swear oaths. We affirm. But they did that because they didn't have this truth, and they were filled with evil spirits, and they, they swore an oath not to eat nor to drink until they had killed him. And yet this same man was let down in a basket by a rope outside the city that he might escape the wrath of the dragon that would devour him. And how that God spared him to use him for his glory and for this, bring this salvation message to the Gentile world, the beginnings of it. And this man wrote, and he said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, listen closely, he said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? Keep that in mind. Everybody, every group, every organization is not right. You hear me? God has a church, but it is for everybody. It is for everybody to be born again, for everybody to be baptized in the name, above every name, the name of Jesus Christ. It is for everybody to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It is for everybody to be able to get in this race and run this race and be a part of the overall one body of Christ that is running this race lawfully according to the Scripture, according to the will of God. So he said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run, he says, that ye may obtain. There is, we're, not, we're not just lollygagging around here. We're not just playing some little childlike game. You've heard the kids say, you want to play school today? Or, you know, you want to play this or do that or do the other? This isn't just a game. And some of the kids grow up to be adults, and they're still playing games. But this isn't a call to play a game. As he went on to say, And every man or woman that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. There is self-discipline that has to be brought in here. We have to discipline ourselves. It is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Temperate. Temperance. He said, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. You know, they would, they would train very hard to run their races and to go through their different events, all to win a wreath that was made out of some type of greenery, maybe have a little flower to it, but eventually it would wither away. But your Bible tells you, that all things work together for the good to them that love God and who are the called according to his purpose. I tell you, this crown, this crown, this crown that we are running for is not a corruptible crown. It's not something that's going to be here and looking good and suddenly wither and be gone. This crown will not 
fade away. This crown will not tarnish. This crown will not rust. This crown cannot be stolen from you. I'm telling you, this is according to God's purpose. And it's its good pleasure to give to you that crown that fadeth not away. So he said, but we, an incorruptible, we're not going after some little piece of tin. People take wood and, and little cheap plastic and screw it together and put some kind of figurine on top and people spend all kinds of money and to try to win something like that. Nothing but a piece of junk. It sounds like when uh, Joshua had to contend with the people and the spirit that got a hold of them. You know, that old flesh and the devil working always wants to take a good thing and turn it into something bad. You have read in your Bible where the devil met with the man Christ Jesus and tried to get him to do the wrong thing, took him to the pinnacle of the temple, took him to the top of the mountain, told him if, if, if you are who you say you are, then you go ahead and cast yourself down and begin to quote him how the Scripture said, it is given, the angels are given charge concerning thee, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against the stone. But the word of God, the wisdom of God, always trumps the enemy's words. Even when he takes the scripture out of context. Even when he wants to misapply it and, and just take advantage maybe of somebody's inexperience. Or That's why you want to stay well connected to the pastor and to the leadership that has the insight and helps to give you the balance. And as it was written about the scribes, about the word of God to give you the sense some people just don't have any sense. That's why we want to grow in grace and knowledge. That's why you want to stay connected. Why Jesus sat them down in companies of 50 and 100, that he might teach to them the things of God. And so that they might begin to, to get a balance and an understanding of how it works. The devil is out to trip people up any way he can. He doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to him how it's done, just as long as it gets done. And he doesn't care about the whole world. He's got them. It's people who are baptized in Jesus' name and who are filled with the Holy Ghost. Those are the people he wants. Those are the lives he wants to trip up. Those are the people he wants to hinder from doing the work and the will of God, to be living a life that's built around according to his purpose, that are every waking moment, how can I be doing something that is beneficial and has eternal value to it? That's the ones he's after. He wants to slow you down. He wants to turn you to the right or to the left. He wants to get you preoccupied with other things, thinking about other things, putting value, taking the value of the spiritual thing and putting it in something else, thereby devaluing in your life the, the, the spiritual things, the eternal things, the godly things. Oh, my friend, you don't want to let the devil steal not one thing from you. And you tell that lying, thieving spirit that you live for God, that you're going to do things according to his purpose. According to his purpose. So he tells them that where now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we, an incorruptible. Right in your Bible. Verse 26 of 1 Corinthians 9. I therefore so run. He declared himself. 
Have you read in Luke's account how he declared a declaration he made of those things which are most surely believed among us? There are things that we most surely believe. And that no matter what anybody says, no matter how much they look down the nose, don't you just imagine Goliath towering in his height, looking down at David and calling him a dog and making fun of everything he believed. Have you never read how that the enemy from Assyria would come and look down at the people of God and cast it in their face and said, look at all the ones we've defeated, the gods of the nations, and don't you listen to your leadership that tells you that your God is going to deliver you. Have any of these other gods delivered them and he's going to cast it in your teeth. But you have to tell him he's a liar and he's the father of it. You've got to make him know that you are a son and a daughter of God and declare yourself in the race. I'm running. I'm in the race. I will not quit. By the grace of God, I will not quit. I will not bend or buckle or bow. And if God tests my spirit to get impurities out, then so be it. It's for my good. My eternal good. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. So listen to what he said. He said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. I'm not going to run this race running, uh, taking issue with what direction we're supposed to go. I'm not going to, to take issue here with how it's done, the way it's done. I'm not going to constantly question to the point that I slow myself down and trip myself up and place myself in an uncertain mind here. I want to, what did Paul say? I know in whom I believe. What did Job's writing say? I know that my Redeemer lives. This is a blessed assurance. This is a no-so salvation. This isn't on one day and off the next. We're not playing hokey pokey here. We are in this race. And we're running this race with a patience. It's a long-distance race. This is not for the impetuous, the rash, not at all. And so he said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, so fight I. Yes, sir. He made it crystal clear. I'm in a battle here. I've had people, you know, man, you act like you're, you're mad or, or upset or you got a fierce look on your face. I got news for you. I see you, but I see some things around and behind you. I see some evil spirits. I see things that are tugging at you. I see things that want to pull you out of the race. I, th- I see things that want to hinder you. I see things that absolutely want to keep you from running the race. And let me tell you, it's not going to be play patty cake to get rid of those spirits that are trying to hinder you. It's going to take divine authority. That's all the devil responds to. You hear me? You don't look for mercy from the devil. You don't look for understanding from the devil. You don't look for healing from the devil. You're not going to look for anything good and righteous. He does not possess those characteristics, those qualities. He does not have them. He comes for to kill, to steal, to pluck up what's planted. He is the destroyer, Abaddon. He is the one that absolutely wants to destroy your life and everything good in it. 
You hear me now. And you've got to have a confidence in God. You've got to have confidence in the Scripture. No wonder it tells you not to cast away your confidence, which hath great payment of reward. There is a crown. Paul said it's incorruptible. And Peter said it faded not away. And you better say, so fight I. I'm fighting for my crown. I'm fighting for my eternal life. I'm fighting for my family. I'm in this so fight I, so run I. But I'm not doing it in some kind of slipshod manner. Anything will do. Not doing that. I'm not doing it uncertainty. You know, I, uh, you may be seated, the Lord bless you. I was a very young man, uh, you know, like last year, when I came into church, actually over 40 years ago, and uh, I uh, was very privileged to come in under the man that was my pastor, Brother Dunn, W.H. Dunn. I told my two grandsons they have to get married, and and each of them have to have a boy and name him W.H. Dunn, and I mean W.H. or William Henry, and uh, they looked at me, and they said, okay, and I said, okay, good deal. So, anyway, I, uh, we were, my pastor was building, and so I jumped right in there. Didn't know a thing about building, but I jumped in there and started to learn to do whatever needed to be done, no matter how low or menial the task, the task might be. And, uh, of course, I was the, the butt of many a joke. I was the rookie, and uh, they would send me looking on the job for something that didn't exist, and I'd be running and sweating, looking, asking everybody for that certain thing and they all knew the joke I was the only one that didn't know the punchline I was the punchline and uh and then you know there was like turn to Jude and read chapter two and you know you'd flip through the bible and finally learn where Jude was at and you'd get there and stop dead in your tracks and say go back to them say puzzle wait a minute there is no chapter two and that's about time they'd all crack up laughing and fall on the ground you know so it's okay to be the rookie. It makes you dig in the book. It makes you study a little harder. Make you make it so that, you know, they tormented you. You'll have your time when you get to torment the next rookie. <laughs> or maybe be a little kinder to the, ne- to the next one, whichever the case might be. But um, <clears throat> we were building, and I remember uh, many times coming into a service with concrete all over me, just step in the door because we were building an extension, an addition, a big addition, and uh, – We'd come in and we'd have church and the Spirit of the Lord would move. It didn't matter if your pants were ripped and your shirt was stained and you had concrete splattered all over you. That made no difference. The Spirit of God was the same. The presence of the Lord was the same. And, and it, it gave you strength. It gave you uplifting. It gave you encouragement. <clears throat> and you knew that you were a part of something fine and good and right and clean and wholesome. And you begin to more and more give your life to it. You begin to declare that you're in the race and you were running the race and that you were a part of what God was doing in the earth. And the more that you, your vision became, shall we say, clear and crystal clear. You read in your Bible, no doubt, where Jesus came upon a man one day and the man was blind. And he had not always been blind, but he was blind. Whatever his condition was, he was blind. It brought him to that place. And, and Jesus prayed for him. And uh, in praying for him, he asked him how he saw and the man said, well, I see men as trees walking. So there was, a, there was a lack of clarity. He wasn't seeing things focused. And so Jesus made him look up and prayed for him again. For you to begin to more and more get a crystal clear vision 
of the work of God and how God does things, you've got to continue to look up and you've got to pray again and again. The great The greatest experience is to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. There is one initial being born again of the Spirit, but there are many, and there are to be many renewings of the Holy Ghost. Many. So you want to not forsake the assembly of yourselves together. And that means you want to come together so much the more as others are forsaking. Others are going away from. Others are bailing out, chickening out, running out, quitting. You want to so much the more pull together. Assemble yourselves knowing that every bone, every muscle, every fiber, every tissue works together, supplying each other, strengthening each other, and that it's going to all work together for the good. You keep loving him. You keep worshiping him. You keep praising him. And you keep it in mind that what I do is not for this world so much as it is for the world to come. The world to come. Thank you, Jesus. So he said, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. I'm not going to keep missing the mark here. I'm not just going to do what I do out into thin air. But there is, there is a target here. Is it not written that I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God which is in the church in Christ Jesus, in other words? There's a, there's a bullseye here. There's a mark. There's something that we're shooting for, something that we're declaring. There is some very absolute things here. This is not something that is always to be abstract, you know, like the air or, some, or love. You know, people want love, love, love. They want to talk about that, but they have no substance. They have no foundation. They have no grit, gristle, and muscle. They've got nothing there that's solid. You better know that my God said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That's solid. That's sure. That's steadfast. That's always abounding in God. Amen. Amen. Yes. So he said, But I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, okay? I'm I'm working on this spiritual frame of mine, and in so doing, it works on the rest of me. But the outward man, I know he's going to perish, but my inward man, he's getting renewed every day. Now, let me tell you something. uh, There's a life span to everything, and those Pretty flowers that come up in the garden, the bougainvilleas or jasmine or hyacinth, whatever, whatever they are, and they come up, and you admire them, and you love them, and you think they're great, and that's wonderful. You water them, and you fertilize them, and you spray for the encroaching enemy of bugs that will, uh, you know, every, every once in a while I, I get uh, awakened early in the morning because I'm being dive-bombed. And uh, right over my house will come the uh, crop duster. And um, if my alarm didn't get me, the crop duster will. And, brother, I mean he'll buzz you something else. He's spraying those bugs. He's getting them off of those crops. And uh, I'm saying to you that no matter how beautiful it grows up and how protected it is, at some point 
that the flower of that plant life will come full cycle and it will end but there is that which you and I are running for everything we we put into God is eternal it's not just for this life only okay we have something so much better so much grander so much greater that we're reaching for and that we are believing for and trusting for and hoping for it's an eternal hope and that one man who was so wealthy he died and he lifted up his eyes in hell and torment begging for a drop of water when he owned uh you know all kinds of wells of water when he was back on earth but now he finds himself in a place where he can't even get a drop to touch the end of his parched tongue and where i'm in torment here can't get it but we read about a guy that represents being in the church when it came time for him to go the angels came and got him pulled up in that limo and the doors burst open and he was placed and taken up into the arms of the lord it's a whole lot better whole lot better i've seen people sick i've seen people in miserable shape but i'm going to tell you people that don't have this truth they're really in a sick sorry shape but you have this and you've got your situation you still have this no matter what comes and what goes and what challenges you and it will happen and things will test you and things will try you but you keep remembering that all things are working together it's an ongoing progressive situation in your life and that you trust him and you just stay true to him. You stay faithful to him. You remember that your Bible shows you in Revelation that there was a, a vial opened and smoke came out of it. And God said, that's the prayers of my saints. Lightnings and thunders, my friend. Oh, you talking about moving and shaking things. When God's people begin to get those prayers out to the Lord, God's ears are open and his hand is not short. And he's got himself in a position to hear the cry of his righteous people. People that he's training. People that he's testing. People that he's refining. People that stand at attention before his throne and listen to him. People that he tests their spirit and gets the wrong things, the impurities out. And they come forth vessels for the finer. They are vessels of honor. Meat for the master's use. Oh, yes. Give God a big hand. Amen. 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 Thank you, Jesus. There's a crown. I want you to believe that tonight with me. A crown for you. Okay? It's there. 2 Timothy chapter 4. The Apostle Paul. And we're standing now. We're, we're concluding. The Apostle Paul has run his race and he he sees in the down the road there some few hundred feet he sees the chopping block history says that two burly guards had him by the arms to take him down to that chopping block and that he broke away and he ran to the chopping block and laid his head down because friend he saw what was beyond this life he saw what he wrote here and listened closely. He said, I have fought a good fight, so fight I. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I have not compromised the doctrine. 
I've earnestly contended for the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. You say, I could never be a saint. I'm not that good. You can be a saint because the Bible way to become a saint is to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You see, God made that for everybody. It's a common faith and a common salvation. This is for everybody. Amen. You can become one of the sanctified ones. You can become one of the set-apart ones. You can become one of the girls that isn't walking the streets doing the wrong things. You can become one of the young men, a vessel for the finer, that you're not a thug and you're not trying to imitate or take them for an example. You hear me? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Come on now. You can be a vessel for the finer here. He said, henceforth, because of this now, he's saying, because I fought a good fight, because I've finished my course, because I've kept the faith, he said, henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day. But he didn't stop there. Isn't it nice when you think about somebody else besides yourself? Oh, never experienced that, have you? Well. Start practicing it. That's why it's written in your Bible to, to look on the things of others. He wasn't talking about being covetous. <laughs> he was quite the opposite. He, he was saying you need to think about the other person and stop thinking about yourself so much. Well, don't let me get on another sermon then. I have to charge you for that one, so I better move on. The first one's free. <laughs> and not to me, he said, only, but unto all them also that love his appearance. All things are working for you. You need to believe that. All things are working for you. Everybody said amen. They're working for the good. And you're a part of doing things according to God's purpose. The Apostle Paul is getting caned and shipwrecked and betrayed. And, and he's saying that um, all things work together for the good. Ever positively, optimistically, looking up and seeing things clearly, seeing it clearly, seeing it through the eye. Crawl into God's mind and look out through his eyes and see it. See the reality. Him being said, I'm going to show him how great things he must suffer for my namesake. I don't know how you're getting glory out of this, God, but I hope you get a lot of it. Because I want it all to be for your glory. That everything as it is written to be unto the praise of his glory. I'm not wanting anybody to praise me. I want it the praise to go to his glory. His glory. His glory. Amen. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. Let's worship the Lord. Every prayer you pray. Every dollar you give. Every sacrifice you make. Every lifting of your heart with your hands in worship has eternal significance attached to it. There are people that I don't know why you go to church so much. There's going to be people that do not know, but you know. There's going to be people that do not have an updated experience in God that do not understand. They think, oh, well, if I had the money, I could travel the world. Well, you know what? We're going to travel the galaxies, the constellations. We're going to step out on nothing. You hear me? We're going to be with the angels of God, and even the angels look into what we got and wish they had it. 
You ever read that in your Bible? Oh, yes, my friend. You better know what God is offering you and what is of value, great value in the eyes of God, what you have. Jesus' name. Come on now. It's a struggle for survival. I daily meet the foe. I'm out there on the battlefield. Come on, get on that battlefield. Go fight out. Holy armor. 